You are tuned in to the State of Cannabis News Hour, where industry leaders, regulators, and lovers of cannabis gather collectively to move policy forward in an inclusive and sustainable way. Professionals and Canacurious alike can tune in to hear leading cannabis experts share and discuss headlines, critical industry issues, social topics, and more. The State of Cannabis News Hour, your daily dose. Hi, and welcome to the State of Cannabis News Hour, where we bring you all the top stories you need to know and talk about them for four minutes and 20 seconds. We are a group of experts in different cannabis spaces with a wide diversity of perspectives and life experiences. Our news is bite-sized and infused with a nice mix of facts, opinions, and a pinch of humor. It's Friday, May 20th, 2022. This is episode number 284. I'm Susan Sores, the founder of the State of Cannabis News Hour, author of the children's book, What's Growing in Grandma's Garden, and Cannabis's Favorite Grandma, a.k.a. Nanogram. If you're listening to the podcast, the show is live every weekday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on Clubhouse. Spark it up with us and over 30,000 State of Cannabis NewsHour members if you want to be an audience participant. Otherwise, please subscribe to support our show. We'd love to hear from you, so please leave us a review. Today we're talking about a new documentary on Nipsey Hussle, a California sheriff wanting to bring federal enforcement through the, quote, back door, unquote, Missouri keeping taxes low to combat the illicit market, insurance DUIs, cops seize a building and want a new cop car to give it back, what's in your weed, and many other frosty nuggets, so stay tuned for the full... as 60 minutes of the State of Cannabis News Hour. The following program contains coarse language and nudity. Viewer discretion is advised. I, I just smoked a really good joint from the Emerald Cup, so it's Friday. Yeah, audience, feel free to raise your hands if you want to weigh in on a headline after it's been read, and we'll try to bring you up to the stage. Keep it brief and relevant, or you might get the gone. We love our gong, but we also love our audience. Um, Kicking off the show today is Mr. Jason Beck. He is the literal highest member of the GOP, everyone's favorite ringleader of the cannabis industry circus, and the highest supporter of safe banking. What's your story today, Jason? Oh, yeah. Thank you so much, Susan. Today, my story comes out of California, where a California county sheriff calls for state of emergency over illegal cannabis grows and is seeking federal funding. On Monday, Sheriff Jeremiah LaRue posted on Cisco County Sheriff's Office's Facebook page the following message along with a video showing one of many illegal marijuana farms and the associated troubles. The purpose of this video is to be transparent about what the Cisco County's Sheriff's Office encounters on a regular basis while performing search warrants, search warrant operations at illegal cannabis grows within the county, the post reads. The rule is calling for a state of emergency, seeking help from higher level officials. The team is out here every week serving search warrants, the rule said. It's my job as sheriff to uphold my oath to take care of the community. I carry that burden and it's serious to me and I owe it to the community to do all that I can. I I just need help from people above me, he wrote. 
The video reveals, reveals swimming pools that are being used as justification for water usage, but are actually directly piped to a greenhouse and many other disturbing things. Congressman Doug LaMaffa, one of one of our favorite prohibitionists in Congress, said he visited Cisco County last year and witnessed the damage. According to him, the county needs more finances to help it deal with this enormous problem. In your, in a quote, he says, in your opinion, what is the solution to help Cisco County KCR? Mason Carroll asked, and he says, the bottom line is they need more dollars to, to do this because they can't do it with the personnel they have. As hard as they do try, and I don't see any big help coming from the state, LaMafa told KCR Mason's Carroll. The rule previously highlighted the negative in, in environmental results of illegal cannabis cultivation. And he suggested state leaders should create a bipartisan laws to address the issue. The sheriff recommends protecting legal agriculture via the enforcement of laws that will eliminate illegal grows. He's also seeking more financial support. As for funding, LaMafa replied that it may be dependent on the federal government. I will do what I can in Congress to find ways to get money in the back door or other ways to make funding eligible to help battle this because it's not adding to the quality of life, LaMafa said. People have to live amongst it or see it sold on their streets and somehow endangering their kids. Well, come on now, Congressman LaMafa. We all know that that is not endangering the kids and all this what about the children talk. But I do love the fact that you use the word backdooring cash from the federal government. I really, truly enjoy that. And this is Jason Beck reporting for the State of Cannabis News Hour. Jason, this is so upsetting. It's like, first of all, I hope this sheriff is in an elected position like most and his constituents are following what's going on because I don't think those grows are the biggest blight in the community. I'm sure there are other problems. Furthermore, the best way to get rid of illegal grows is to show them a path to compliance, regulate it. It'll be cheaper and actually more lucrative for his constituents. So STFU, that argument is old. 100% Guy. I mean, what he said about, uh, you know, that they were using swimming pools for water diversion and other disturbing things. That is that the disturbing stuff that's going on there? I'm not sure. I didn't have a chance to watch the video, but I do encourage anyone to click on the link and watch the video. I imagine the disturbing things uh, that they're referring to are a bunch of BS. But nonetheless, you can divert water from pools to funnel into other places. I mean, if cartels can build tunnels to get from, from one border to the other, it's not unreasonable to think that they can't build waterways to extract water from pools to go to greenhouses. Sure, but the adjective is so crazy. I mean, uh, disturbing, whatever. Uh, and, and I'm worried about this back... Go ahead. Uh, I was Jason, just going to say, finish. and Guy, you are right. Uh, the sheriff is an elected uh, elected official, and so he will be up for re-election again soon. Well, here's the thing. There also, it's a federal. I think the problem here is like issue for me is the feds, and then the thing is, if you're taking any water, you're diverting water from uh, any kind of land. That's where you're going to bring the feds in. So I think that that's really the bigger issue here, honestly. Yeah, bringing the feds in is scary. Aren't, they're not allowed to come in. They, they give us money. They're going to yes, come in. They, no, they are allowed to come in for illegal operations. They, they are not allowed. Their, their appropriation spending does not prohibit them from illegal operations. It pro, pro, prohibits them from state licensed operations. 
And just for clarity on the water thing, if they have a swimming pool, they're obviously on grid water. They're paying for that water for meter. This is not some farmer stealing water from an aquifer or from a river. They're on city water. It's metered. It's obvious. And any, I don't think they're filling the pool. I think they're just using their pipes to water their plants. So again, there's so much misinformation in this article that it we're not stupid. It's an old argument. It's really a funding dollars that can be wasted on cannabis prohibition. What a complete um, misdirected approach, trying to go back in time. You cannot turn back the clock. You cannot put cannabis back in the bag. Exactly right, Omar. I try to tell people all the time, there's too much sand to shovel it all back into the ocean. Yeah, like you say, follow the money. I'm pretty sure he, he and his department have lost money busting pot farmers, busting kids for pot. That's the kids that he's worried about is the money in his pocket. And now he's trying to fleece the feds for some money. Jason, there's not too much sand. All we need to say is Roe v. Wade. That has nothing to do with this conversation at all whatsoever, Susan. Yeah, it, it, well, no, it no, has it to do not. with your... It has absolutely your, nothing to do with this conversation. With what you just said about there's too much sand, There's the genie can always be put back in the bottle. It has the train can always go back to the station. Roe versus Wade, this is not a part of the conversation at all whatsoever. I think she's just using it as an example. <laughs> because obviously you guys know if you look over history, cannabis... He's a little too defensive. Cannabis has come back A little back too forth. defensive. Like it's been highly taxed and then it's been put illegal. It's been the swing. I really hope that we can't put this genie back in the bottle. But what concerns me is that they're going to try to prosecute these people using a federal angle with water and he i appreciate you really kind of calling it and giving it calling it out the way it is so thanks we've got steven and joanna up from the audience you want to go next steven and then joanna sure um you know i mean the the diversion of water is yes a problem yet you know i think the 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 bigger picture is that you know so i am a licensed cannabis cultivator halfway now uh because of what my county's doing um Yet, nonetheless, you go throughout the county and you see legal pot farm shut down. Yet, not legal pot farm up and running just as fine and dandy. And the problem with the situation is it takes so much time for them to get warrants and this, that, and the other thing to go onto these people's property to uh, to uh, diminish the amount of uh, illegal cannabis grows that. Every illegal cannabis grow in my county right now is operating. Every legal cannabis grow in the freaking county right now, not operating. So <laughs> that's, 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 that, that's a huge problem. And, and, and I think it's a little more than the water um, because, it, it, I mean, yeah, okay, it is the water because, well, that water's not for illegal cannabis cultivators. It's for the legal cannabis cultivators. And they're stealing my water. Yeah, all the all the almond farmers are going to get really mad about them stealing all this water. Joanna, did you want to weigh in? I did. Um, I speak for millions, perhaps hundreds of millions of women in saying it's the epitome of male hubris to say that Roe v. Wade is not part of the conversation. It's always part Roe of the conversation. Roe v. Wade has nothing to do with cannabis. I'll end it there. Shut cannabis. your trap, Jason, about this. It has nothing let to do her, with the conversation. Let her finish. About let her finish. I, I get the correlation, Jason. It's it's just a matter of the fact that they will give you rights and then merely take them the, away at their whim. Um, and I think that's the uh, more to the point. Not that the the they're comparable because no, a woman's right is not comparable to our freaking right to smoke cannabis. I'm sorry, it's just not. Um, they are very similar, 
in the in the aspect that there are 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 rights yet the the mere point is they will give you something and take it away just like that and they're pricks like that so that we cannot dismiss and that we cannot you know uh, diminish its 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 full and utter breath hey there when something happens to you it's a tragedy when we watch it happen to others and we choose to participate, it's activism. But when we choose not to participate, the whole system is at risk. I live in Florida and I am in the business, formerly, currently not, I might do air conditioning, but I used to be in the business, a lot of my friends are in the business of lobbying. Something that didn't exist 30 years ago. And everything that is wanted is really just a transaction created by two parties for the most part to create some type of revenue and when government doesn't get its revenue whether it be in taxes or in bribes or in whatever the hell you think it should be it gets angry and it does stuff sometimes it should do stuff sometimes it shouldn't but it always does something and it doesn't care how you feel it only cares that you paid it so that's my, my view from Miami, where everything is legal here, and we're having a great time. And you've got, a, you've got a great voice. Thank you for, Thank your, pers- you. Thank you for uh, your perspective, uh, Lawrence. Uh, Ali Muffin, you've got the last word. Again, two days in a row. It must be my lucky week. But um, uh, I think to the uh, ladies' point on the panel, um, I certainly agree that uh, there is an argument for freedom of what we do with our bodies that is very similar to me uh, as as a third party um, watching uh, both these issues go on in the united states and i'll remind us all that uh, when cannabis was um, prohibited it was the biggest thing ever it was 90 percent of the pharmacopoeia a large section of our um, textiles and trades so um, it's not too big to be shut down at any time, and we got to never let up and, and never stop uh, doing what you guys are all doing. So thanks for everything you guys do. All right. Well, that was a fun, fun discussion, everybody. Coming up next, this OG veteran and dope dads known and respected by peers as a steadfast defender of the culture. Always first to stand up for the rights of the legacy operators. The co-founder and CEO of Papa and Barkley is coming to the stage next. Take a seat, y'all. It's time to listen to the gospel of. Thank you, Jason. Good morning, Susan. Good morning, Rico. My article this morning is coming out of Green Entrepreneur. Let me read how much weed Gen Z buys and what that means for the industry. This is a recap of our beautiful 420 holiday this year. And it says, there's no denying 420 is the biggest day of cannabis sales and consumption across the U.S. Each year sees an increase in revenue, especially as legalization continues to sweep across the country. And 2022 is no exception. Store sales were up 148% over previous Wednesday, according to data company Headset, with edibles and beverages trending over flour. And who's buying all this cannabis? Gen Z. Yes, now legally old enough to buy. Gen Z are those born between the years of 1997 and 2012, and they're coming of age quickly, embracing cannabis trends, embracing cannabis and driving trends. The industry is evolving to meet their demand. Headset looked at how this age bracket shopped on 420 this year from product preferences to basket size. According to their recent report, Gen Z customers are most engaged, increasing their daily average time 
Their daily, their daily average spend more than three times previous Wednesdays. Women in the age bracket bought 25% more products with men buying 35% more in previous weeks. Beverages had the biggest increase with at least five times more than a typical Wednesday with edibles and pre-rolls on the higher side as well. If these stats hold any bearing on where the market is heading, vape pens are out. Not sure why that's in the article. It's kind of a weird thing to extrapolate considering how big the vape pen categories are. And I, candidly, you all have probably heard how I feel about beverages. It's sad that we're indoctrinating these young people to think that you're supposed to drink boof distillate. Hopefully they'll figure it out when they realize that the high sucks compared to a real whole flower or some whole plant medicine. So these these customers that are 25 or younger are looking for celebratory party supplies versus their usual haul, which means they're honoring the holiday. And you guys, I can't tell you how much it warms my heart that, you know, like the card companies, like other made up holidays, we've effectively got our date on the map and we can do it as a community. So I look forward to the next 420. Honestly, I hope we double down and make 710 just as big. This is Guy Rocourt reporting for the State of Cannabis News Hour. Guy, that is a fantastic story, but I think this data is a little bit skewed because the beverages are the like smallest percentage of sales in California and I know many other states as well. And so therefore they would have the highest, highest uh, availability for growth. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like it's a small category. Everybody keeps trying to play like it's a big category. So yeah, the delta of change was like somebody bought two more cans and it was 148%. I don't know. I feel like the 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 article writer may be a little bit more biased to beverages and not vape pens, maybe not inhalables. You know, again, flour, vape pens being out. I'm suspect, but that's what we're here to talk about. I'm hundred percent suspect on that, and this definitely sounds like some uh confirmation bias. Did you hear about the new energy drink, High Five, that just uh, announced today? It's uh, Each can contains 5 milligrams of Boof THC and 80 milligrams of caffeine. It's supposed to be the yeah. new go-to thing. I feel like we had that problem with like four loco. I have not a problem with caffeine, not a problem with alcohol, not a problem with cannabis. When we start mixing them, we get into trouble. And I would say as a nascent industry that's already under fire, somebody's gonna drink two of those, have a caffeine panic attack, and they're gonna blame it on the cannabis. So I would just move with caution. And again, I'll be honest, I am biased against the beverages in general. Energy yeah, drinks are so dangerous, like to even combine it with cannabis now. I, I wasn't happy when I saw that article. Yeah, this is definitely a narrative that people are trying to push this fucking beverage market, but it's, it is not the business. And not to come in as the medical person, but really, you know, we don't, we're still trying to find out like the mechanism of action and cannabinoids. Like people could be, you know, this isn't necessarily a great combination. We really need to look into it more. Like you said, Guy, there can be some really negative effects. And so, but what's interesting, I thought in the data is, you know, usually they always say women are head of household, 85% of purchases. So they're gearing stuff towards women. But this uh, data said that men uh, increased, bought more than women in that, like 25 to 35%. I thought that was interesting. For clarity, what they were saying is oh, on the holiday, the women bought more cannabis, but typically men buy more cannabis on the daily. And I think what they were suggesting or what I got from that is, yeah, women are more altruistic. So they probably got the parties ready, gave more gifts and ended up spending more on the holiday because men are selfish. <laughs> Yay, women. It's Women Day. It's all about Yay. that female plant. So when they put when they put THC in drinks, is it THC isolate? Are we just getting THC? There there are ways to do solventless beverages um, and have a little bit more whole plant by encapsulating the 
uh, oil in a sugar or some other natural compound that dissolves in water. But typically, these beverages are distillate or isolate because those are, that's the easiest way to get water-soluble cannabis. Guy, I think you need to come up with a full spectrum solventless beverage and just crush all these brads and chads out yeah there. I, I, I'm, I'm on it it will likely be a powder you guys because my green nature doesn't yes me moving bottles of water like 99 percent water weight doesn't need to be trucked around and with gas at seven bucks so you definitely look for a powder coming from our shop sometime in the new year it's more discreet anyway you can just put it in your pocket and go into a movie theater or a bar or whatever i love that do powder yeah, yeah, that that's a good sound bite right there, Susan. Do powder. Thanks a lot. I said do a powder. It's all the same thing. All, all right, right, nobody from the audience wants to weigh in. Let's keep smoking the news. All right, well, coming up next, she's an attorney at law focused on bridging the gap between cannabis, entertainment, and psychedelics. Coming to the stage next is the founder of the cannabis blog and podcast, Shall We Coke? It's none other than Shalina Panu. Thanks so much, Jason. Good morning, everyone. My name is Shalina, and my headline for today is, With THC DUI's growing, insurance company is here to save the day. Can you get arrested for a THC DUI? And if so, what can you do to protect yourself? As stated on their website, Reefer is an insurance program that provides a fin financial safety net for cannabis consumers facing THC DUI charges. If you do get arrested for a cannabis DUI, there are likely consequences such as numerous fines, a suspended license, an impounded car, and possibly even jail time. Reefer emphasizes on their website that although a crim cannabis criminal defense lawyer may help you in dealing with this lengthy process, hiring legal defense is in fact expensive. Co-founder and CEO Justin Kahn spoke to Fox Business about why he started this idea of creating Reefer. Kahn is a longtime cannabis consumer using it to treat an epileptic condition he's been dealing with for over 20 years. He states, I realized very early on in my career path that if I was going to use cannabis to treat my medical condition, I would be doing so at my own risk. The biggest risk that being that I lived in a state where cannabis was illegal, that I could lose my career or that I could get a cannabis DUI. Fortunately, cannabis reform has alleviated some of those risks. However, the risk that still remains is a cannabis DUI. He further discusses how faulty current testing methods are for cannabis DUIs as they use blood or urine tests, urine to test for THC, which hasn't shown to be entirely accurate. Khan states THC stays in the blood long after, stays in the body long after any impairment has faded because it is fat soluble. This means that a regular cannabis user, meaning at least once a day, will have THC in their blood and urine for weeks even after they stop consuming. In short, a regular cannabis user is breaking the law every time they get behind the wheel, regardless of whenever they last consumed. Um, then roughly 60 to 90 days later, a person may be charged with the crime if THC does in fact show up in their lab report. This is where Reefer comes in. They cover $15,000 with the breakdown as follows with membership prices starting at $15 per month. Um, there's $8,000 for costs associated with hiring a cannabis lawyer, $1,500 if your car is towed or impounded, $1,000 for alternative transportation, another $1,000 for any pre-trial cost, $1,000 for your personal hardship, $1,000 for incidental expenses, and $1,500, $250 um, per diem when you must appear in court. Further, they plan to expand their cannabis DUI insurance coverage to all legalized states, with Georgia and Oregon next on the list. Khan states, we believe that if we are able to prove that there is a market for this product, we will be able to create additional behavior-based insurance products outside of cannabis that are parametric in nature, low-cost, and niche-specific. What are your thoughts on cannabis DUI coverage? My name is Shalina, and I'm reporting <coughs> for the State of Cannabis News Hour. 
Shalina, how much is the coverage costing? Was it $25 a month? $15 per month. It's, you know, it starts at, 15. starts at that. So possibly they go up. Well, yeah. I, I, all these prepaid legal services scams, they're going to, um, you know, first you have to submit a claim before you get any money. It's not like you pick up a DUI and you automatically get lawyered up with an $8,000 DUI lawyer, which in the DUI world is a mediocre lawyer. Uh, but no, you have to go through the whole claims process in order to start getting some payments. No lawyer is going to like um, take on a case in the hopes that the claims get approved so that they can get paid. It seems to me totally not realistic. It's a scam. Prepaid legal services uh, generally are. And this is a prime example. Hey, Omar, what do you think about just the concept? Since it does seem like at least conceptually, they're trying to protect us from oh, great bad concept, tests. But they're trying to profit at the expense of the insured. You know, the people who buy insurance, the so-called insured, that's who they're making money from. Believe me, they're not making money from insurance companies or from anybody else. I guess my question is, is there a situation where we should be giving people legal defense resources? Because typically most of these DUIs, like myself as a smoker, I get pulled over. If they test my blood, obviously I have cannabis. I'm now on my way to jail, but that's a case I can beat, right? So having Absolutely. some kind of service where folks can, yeah, have modestly priced legal defenses because it's a sure win case. Is there not a need for an apparatus like that? Um, there is, but if it's structured in a, it would have to be like a nonprofit kind of collective type of model where it's to the benefit of the people who are buying collective insurance. I, I think we have that for like AAA, right? Like a bunch of insureds all got together and are able to negotiate lower prices. And now AAA has turned into a massive corporation that tries to profit at the expense of the insured. And so I think, um, it, you know, th there is a need for that, but I'm looking at this specific offering that was presented rather uncritically, and I'm not impressed. Do not ever admit to smoking on a day of which you are pulled over. And always remember, if you do not admit, the law must acquit. Hey, Jason and team, like the last time I got pulled over, shout out to freaking CHP, I reeked of cannabis. I was coming from my lab. This is years ago when I had a lab in, in, in L.A. And he, he rolls down, I rolled down the window. And the first thing he says is, I know you probably work at some dispensary. And so the first question I'm going to ask you is, when was the last time you smoked? And he just like gave me that mental prompt. And I was like, we're not allowed to smoke at work, sir. I apologize. <laughs> it was the, and he looked, he took my license. He was well annoyed. That I was actually speeding and I copped to it and he threw my license back in from the passenger side and it was like, you better be safe. I was, I was driving to the Emerald Cup one time and uh, I, I was smoking for a while and some look on the, on the freeway actually snitched me off of, of all things. And they pulled me over and I never admitted to smoking weed. They gave me a whole bunch of sobriety tests and he even asked me to stick my tongue out because he said that my tongue was green and that was a side effect of proving that I had just been smoking weed. <laughs> green oh tongue. My oh my oh God. Oh my God. Dude, that is hilarious. But, That's pretty. Oh, go ahead, Liz. No, you go right ahead. I was just going to say, but because I did not admit to anything, he told me at the end, he said he does not believe that I did not just smoke, but he also didn't believe that I was too. Uh, encumbered to drive and so he allowed me to proceed and we drove and we made it to the Emerald Cup. I just wonder if they're actually going to be able to in, to do this and how that's going to play out because dealing with employees who are getting DUIs, um, you know, it's like it, the chain of custody with the blood test and all this stuff doesn't seem to be, as we've heard from Chris Eggers, you know, is very... Uh, 
can move around as needed. So it's like, is this really going to actually protect you in any way? Or is this just another, like Omar said, scam to get your money? Do we know anybody that, or, I mean, I don't know if anyone in the audience has used this company or something similar. I actually interviewed this guy, uh, the founder, as a matter of fact. It turns out he's a, um, he's a patient himself, as a matter of fact. He had a, a seizure disorder after getting bonked on the head when he was a kid uh, playing a sport. Um, and, and I, at first, when I first heard the story, just like you guys, I was very, very skeptical. But when I listened to him uh, and when I, when I heard the, the rationale for uh, the product and, uh, and how it was supposed to work, I was, uh, I was much more convinced. So I'm not d disputing what you guys are saying, like Omar, for example. Um, but it seemed a whole lot more legit, actually, as I spoke to him, the more I spoke to him. I was just wondering how he could make any money at $15 a month. That, that's why I tended to think it might be a scam. By denying claims. That's how he makes the money. Yeah, I don't Point. Know. He doesn't sure. deny the claims. Sure. All right. And it just... Just remember, deny, 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 and the law... <laughs> yeah, just a month... But how, month does that but how does that actually fly, you know, really under law? Like, can they actually do that? What about different states and other things like that? Yeah, I think he's just launching in Missouri so far. I, that's that's where they're they're just just went live in just Missouri. I think. Let's get this guy on the show. Uh, I'm going to re relight the room really quickly here. You are tuned in to the State of Cannabis News Hour, your daily dose. The thoughts and opinions expressed in the State of Cannabis News Hour are those of the individual speakers and not those of any other speaker, the State of Cannabis, or its members. The statements made in the State of Cannabis News Hour do not constitute legal or accounting advice, and the State of Cannabis and the speakers make no representation regarding the legal status of any substance in any country, area, or territory, or of any authorities. The views expressed in this room do not establish any fiduciary relationship. The sponsorships of the State of Cannabis News Hour do not imply or constitute any endorsement by the State of Cannabis or the expression of any opinion whatsoever on the part of the State of Cannabis or any speaker. Viewer discretion advised. All right. Up next is Rico Lamite. He likes to ask the tough questions that the mainstream media refuses to ask. The self-proclaimed dopest dad alive is here to encourage other dope dads. Find him on TEDx or at one of his Cannavision events, but always find him here every weekday as co-producer of the State of Cannabis News Hour. What have you got for us today, Rico? My bad. Rookie mistake. I'm over here, not even uh, clicking on the link. All right, so my story is coming out of several news sources, uh, but this one's out of uh, Complex is the one that I use for this morning. It's on High Times. You guys have the link in there? I don't see it on the, uh, on the screen here. Because um, I got the one from Complex on High Times and also Newsweek. Um, it's all about Nipsey Hussle and his new documentary, The Marathon Cultivation. So the marathon continues three years after an untimely, untimely death outside of his famed South Central clothing store location. Uh, Arme, Hermes uh, Askadam, the L.A. entrepreneur legend who used hip hop as a platform to empower, educate and motivate countless others under his well-known stage name. Nipsey Hussle is continuing to make waves beyond the grave, this time in cannabis news. Nipsey's estate held a small private screening for the marathon cultivation a documentary exploring the late great's life, which was officially uh, premiered this morning. The gathering was less than 100 people, rooftop um, of the newest marathon clothing store on Melrose and La Brea here in Los Angeles, um, prime location in a stark contrast to the life he knew in South Central when he was alive. Invite-only attendees were given a glimpse of the legend's life and a deeper dive into the roots of Nipsey and his older brother, Black Sam's notorious marathon OG strain, now a licensed product manufactured by The Cure Company. Black Sam was quoted at the screening saying, we've been in the marijuana business for a minute, illegally. We always had our eyes on a legit license and we wanted to put together something that explains the journey. 
It was also an early celebration of a dispensary soon opening in Canoga Park, June 18th, appropriately positioned the day before the always black but now also federally federal holiday, Juneteenth. Right down the street from the new Marathon store, Black Sam says the new location is where they first pushed Marathon OG, a strain he says Nipsey specifically handpicked because it was a pure OG. The shop's slated to be the brand's flagship location for various THC and CBD products. Guests were given the opportunity to purchase the latest drops from the Marathon Clothing Company and sneakers from Nipsey's Puma collaboration, and the entrepreneurship would be highly uh, recommended and highly appreciated by the late great entrepreneur as well. Today's uh, live listeners can access the doc through the Clubhouse link, and uh, everybody else listening to a tape version, you can find it on YouTube. Uh, viewers will get to see Nipsey giving a tour of Marathon OG Grow Room, a cameo from Snoop Dogg, and many others. Um, and in a statement shared this morning, Black Sam said, The Marathon Collective marks a long sought fulfillment of a collective shared dream. Uh, this is something that we always spoke about. Um, Nipsey, Fats, Adam, and I had a goal of uh, getting a legitimate licensed store and having our brand in other stores across the state. We're all uh, we're so honored to be able to fulfill that dream. In the final moments of the documentary, words on the screen were left as inspiration to all that would be following the fallen leader, pulled from lyrics to his song, Perfect Ten. That's why I call my thing the marathon, because I'm not going to lie and portray um, this ultimate poise like I've been had had it figured out. Nah, I just didn't quit. Inspiration indeed for entrepreneurs everywhere. Fuck perfection. Keep moving forward. The marathon continues. This is Rico Lamit, dopest dad on the street. The State of Cannabis News Hour. Love to hear from the rest of the team. What do y'all think? Will y'all be checking out the new marathon OG strain by the Cure? And uh, will you be out to the uh, new dispensary? Rest in peace, Nipsey. Yes, I will. Hold on. So Marathon OG has been out for, for, for a while now on the market. Yeah. Now, are, you, are, are are they saying that this is a new... A new phenotype of cultivar of of OG. Choosing my words carefully now because I heard of a very very deep argument about this <laughs> last week, Jason. But um, the manufactured strain now, the uh, current strain and, and the current name uh, that goes with it in the branding is credited to uh, the Cure Company. Well, yeah, they're the ones they're the ones that that, that produce it and distribute it and release mm-hmm. it and package it and do everything in, in regards. So are they saying that they're breaking off from the cure company and no. are gonna start doing no. it their own? No, the cure company is still manufacturing it. They are opening their own dispensary. It's gonna be a, uh, um, that's just gonna be their flagship product. So the cure company is opening a new dispensary and they're naming it after Marathon OG. That's what it sounds like. Got it. Thank you. I just have to ask. I'm not. I'm not trying to be a hater on any booth MSOs, but is this them just checking a box on the social equity? Is this real? You know, are the people winning? Are Nipsey's people touching paper? Like, what's actually happening? Any ideas? Is it? I, I don't know yet. Yeah, I don't know. Like, like I said, there's a very heated debate, if you will, at Green Street last week <laughs> on this very topic. So uh, I don't want to speak on anything that I don't know intimately uh, or I don't know the exact details, but it's, it's definitely something I'd love to follow. And I will be digging deeper. Thank you for those uh, for that inquiry, Guy. I forgot why he was shot. Who shot him? It was it's it's still shrouded in mystery. It's gang shit. Yeah, you and should not ask those types of questions, Susan. It, it's yeah, it's it's some street it's some street shit. Just keep it at that. Okay. But uh, just do a quick Google search and uh, go down the YouTube rabbit hole, and um, <laughs> you'll be uh, you'll see some things. Well, audience, you have your assignment for the weekend. <laughs> well, coming up next.
Is it a bird? Is it a plane? No, it's a delivery van with a delivery smoother than DHL and a price point lower than FedEx. That's right. It's Clark Kent Delivery. Coming next to the stage is Christopher Smith. He's the communication strategist and publisher of the American Cannabis Report. What do you have this morning for us, Clark? Good morning, Jason. Thank you very much. Uh, good morning, Susan and Rico. My story today is from the ABC News affiliate in Detroit called WXYZ. Uh, I guess you can see the headline or in a minute. Um, Highland Park seized their building. The price to get it back was two new police cars, which kind of gives away the whole story. But all right, trigger warning. Uh, the story is about police mistreating cannabis operators, which I know is triggering for several people in the room. But there's no violence in this story. That just good old American assholery. So here goes. Um, we've heard Heard all manner of attitude and entitlement by law enforcement for the uh, in the state of cannabis news hour. I thought the all-time winner would be the Bakersfield sheriffs that knocked off those three armored cars for a 1.1 million dollars uh, in broad daylight, stole all that cash, got in the news for doing it were forced to return the cash and still had the nerve to say, my sheriffs are not highway robbers. But actually, uh, we get a lot of these stories. Uh, that was probably only the most recent. But like Yogi Berra says, um, it ain't over till it's over. So here's a new entry for the Cannabis Hall of Shame. On the night before Christmas 2020 in Highland Park, Illinois, Hubert uh, Hubert Yop was stirring. The mayor serving his second tour in the city's big chair was captured on surveillance video circling a particular building on Hamilton Avenue. It had once been a church, but recently closed. Justina and Matt Cosbial had bought it fixed it up, and they were using it to grow medical marijuana. The couple, the couple who immigrated from Poland said they had secured 13 caregiver licenses that gave them permission to grow in excess of 150 marijuana plants. But on this day, Yop and then, then police commissioner Kevin Coney were making an unannounced visit, according to police records, to, finger quote, conduct a fire inspection. After Yop and Coney gained access to the building, they saw marijuana being grown marijuana being grown inside and deemed the former church an illegal narcotics operation. Using the state's asset forfeiture law, they seized the entire building, 13,000 square feet. After 510 days, they're still holding the building, even though the Cosbyals have never been charged with a crime. And here's where we venture into the Twilight Zone. Months later, as the Cosbyals tried to get their building back, Justina, the wife, says that the city made an unusual offer. They offered to give the building back for two police cars. The offer is spelled out in court records. Stop growing marijuana and buy the city two new police cars and we'll give you your building back. In fact, According to an email from a Highland Park lieutenant, they had already picked out the two vehicles from a local Ford dealer, and they totaled about $70,000. And by the way, the city didn't tell the county that it had seized the building for eight months. And then they the city tried to cut its own deal with the Cosbyals. Both actions are no bueno. So their lawyer says it was a shakedown with a badge and a lawyer. Uh, I would love to do a book or a website on episodes like this. Anybody want to join me on this? And I'm done speaking. Absolutely, well, Christopher. You guys have to watch this video. You've got to watch this sheriff, uh, the sheriff. Uh, the no, the mayor. You got to watch the mayor when the uh, news guy approaches him and and kind of you know it, he it's it's sad. He's sad. But the the woman when they asked her about you know you need to give us police cars and her response was I don't need police cars. I love her so much. You gotta watch it. Yeah, this, this this story is just all kinds of weird to me. 
Um, mainly, mainly for one reason is, is that law enforcement does not have the power to seize property. It, uh, seizing property can only be done through the office of the attorney general. And so this, 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 this reeks of all kinds of corruption. And, and I wouldn't, I, I'd be willing to bet that there'll be some type of federal investigation in regards to these departments. Yeah, they didn't even give it to the attorney general for eight months. The attorney general. Yeah, that's the, exactly the, the problem. The attorney general is the only person that has the power to seize a property. So right. the law enforcement, the cops and whatnot don't have that ability to do that. But, but these right. people as immigrants may not have known that. Uh, I mean, who knows what they knew? But uh, boy, they sure got played. And then apparently the, the building then was, um, was invaded later and there was, a, there was a fire and there was a flood and there's all this other stuff that happened. So it's really, it's the dirtiest story of all, you know, this dirty police corruption you know, story. You know how they need to clean this mess up, right? RoboCop. Buy a couple police cars. RoboCop. He's, he is a couple of police cars. Right, though. His their attorney seems like he's really on it. Um, he's very knowledgeable, and it's sad that this this property was not only seized but then destroyed, and everything in it was stolen. These and I don't think it was the cop; it was the mayor. And he's he's just his response is talk to the city attorney. That's why I've got him. The mayor definitely doesn't have the right to be able to seize property. That's totally out of his purview. In that interview where they grabbed the guy, are they they sort of. Um intercept him as at his vehicle he was it was very odd he his complaint was that they were growing in a church that seemed very personally offensive to him he seemed he seemed sort of very very uh, <clears throat> on, a, on a righteous crusade because they were growing uh drugs in a church that's what he said over and over so uh there's that that piece of it as well i love these immigrants we should do a gofundme for them yeah i mean most people do when they're not republicans I mean, isn't the GoFundMe when they just go to the go to the go to the law enforcement to to buy them two new cars? Yeah, yeah. Let's keep smoking the news. Last, he's the founder of a boutique cannabis law firm with bi-coastal offices located in California, New York. Also, NCIA director, legal publisher, author, a ganjier, and purple belt in high-style Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So don't be surprised in the cipher when he ends up breaking your wrist and walking away after you decide to make the poor life choice of fucking up the rotation. Omar Figueroa, what's the news today, brother? Thank you, Rico. Freaky Friday, everyone. My story is from the San Francisco Chronicle by Bob Agelko. The headline is, Congress might have inadvertently legalized a form of cannabis under Trump. The story, although marijuana remains strictly forbidden by federal law, a federal appeal, appeals court ruled Thursday that Congress quietly amended the statute in 2018 to legalize cannabis cigarettes and vaping products that have similar intoxicants but are made from hemp. The 2018 Farm Bill, signed by President Donald Trump, included provisions removing most legal restrictions on hemp, a cannabis plant with a wide range of uses in industrial products, food, personal care, and medicine. The law specified that it did not allow products containing more than a minimal amount of Delta-9 tetrahydrocannabinol, or THC, the active ingredient in marijuana. Although marijuana has been legalized for personal use by adults in California and several other states, and for medical use by many states, it has been banned by federal law since 1937. On Thursday, however, a conservative panel of the nine U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals in San Francisco said the 2018 law had repealed prohibitions on hemp products containing a different cannabinoid, 
Delta 8 THC. The court said Delta 8 THC has, quote, psychoactive and intoxicating effects, end quote, like dose of marijuana, but is not a marijuana product, was not explicitly banned by laws against marijuana and other drugs, and became legal when Congress allowed the growing and marketing of hemp, an action spearheaded by then-Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. Regardless of the wisdom of legalizing Delta-8 THC products, this court will not substitute its own policy judgment for that of Congress, Judge D. Michael Fisher said in the 3-0 ruling. If the legalization was inadvertent, he said, Congress can change it. Fisher, a judge on the Federal Appeals Court in Philadelphia, temporarily, temporarily assigned to the Ninth Circuit, was appointed by President George W. Bush. He was joined by Judges Andrew Kleinfeld, appointed by President Bush, and Mark Bennett, a Trump appointee. The case did not involve a drug prosecution, but instead a trademark suit by a company called AK Futures, which sells cigarettes and vaping products contain containing Delta-8 THC with cakes on their labels, and accused a Los Angeles retailer, Boyd Street Distro, of selling counterfeit versions of its products. Upholding a federal judge's ruling, the court said AK Futures was selling a legal product and therefore could sue for violation of its trademark. Daryl Menthe, a lawyer for Boyd Street, said the company was in the process of settling the suit and probably would not appeal the ruling. He also said the U.S. Food and Drug Administration has sent letters May 4th to companies selling Delta-8 products indicating the agency intends to regulate those products. If cigarettes containing the hemp derivative are ultimately found to be legal, Menthe said, the federal and state governments will probably get in the business of making sure it's safe and not marketed to children. He said he had seen no evidence that Congress had intended to legalize Delta-8 THC. A leader in the campaign to legalize marijuana said he was troubled by the ruling. The court is federally legalizing a psychoactive cannabinoid about which relatively little is known, while keeping the amply studied Delta-9 illegal, said, said Dale Geringer, California director of the National Organization to Reform Marijuana Laws, or California Normal. It makes more sense to legalize Delta-9, which has been studied exhaustively in thousands of subjects and research protocols over the decades. That's the story, and my take is that the Ninth Circuit is huge. It encompasses the states of Alaska, Arizona, California, Hawaii, Idaho, Montana, Nevada, Oregon, and Washington, as well as Guam and the Northern Mariana Islands. We can expect to see a tidal wave of Delta-8 and Delta-10 booth wash over these states thanks to this ruling. The headline is Congress might have inadvertently legalized a form of cannabis under Trump. This is Omar Figueroa, lawyer, author, and Ganjie instructor reporting from sunny Sonoma County for the State of Cannabis News Hour. Omar, is, is, that, is this article basically saying that President Trump is the Delta 8 president? <laughs> No, no, no. So, so I, I, I really disagree <laughs> with this court's opinion because it specifically in the farm bill outlaws any synthetic derived compounds of cannabis. And so how they came to this decision is just beyond me. Um, but I will say this is that the farm bill did legalize cannabis federally because in the farm bill, cannabis sativa L is the definition for cannabis under the Farm Bill, as well as in the Controlled Substances Act for cannabis. 
That's right, Jason. And I'm sure there's a money trail here. Something stinks. It's like, really? You're going to jump to synthetic cannabinoids and deem them legal with no cover your ass type behavior? You must be profiting. I'm just saying. Total big pharma play. Make, make America Delta 8 again. Well, it's just that was good. It's this constant legal quandary, and it's so frustrating because it's like they're just going for these isolates instead of the actual plant, which is actually where the medicine really is. That's been shown over decades, centuries, et cetera. And it's not just Delta 8 and Delta 10. It's also hemp-derived Delta 9 that any kid can buy in a convenience store and, and, and take it in, in amounts and dosages that far exceed um, that which is standard in the regulated cannabis market. Good point. At that point, when we start to synthesize these cannabinoids from quote-unquote hemp, they're not properly tested. We don't even know what kind of residual solvents might be in it. This, and of course, if something goes wrong, all of us are going to pay. This is the problem. I never want to reach into somebody's pockets, but these folks are just selling these unregulated cannabinoids. When something goes wrong, our industry is going to pay. Make no mistake. Good point. Oh, it's the cannabis industry is absolutely going to pay. It's never going to be the hemp people. Yeah, it's usually the idiots who ruin it for everybody. Is this the final nail in the coffin? I mean, this is, how do you feel about this? Is not even close. Not Hell even not close. No, no, to the no. This no. is the fucking Ninth Circuit, the most overturned, <laughs> overturned court in the nation. But the parties have said they're not going to appeal, you know, so this um, decision may not get reviewed. And the snake oil salesmen are ready to jump all over this. Well, they, they already have been. They're just, just now they now they can get investors. Just because they've stated, Omar, as, as you know, um, th that they said that, that they're currently not, they can always change their mind. And as long as the statute of limitations hasn't expired, they still have the ability to do that. Yeah, but there's no right to appeal to the uh, U.S. Supreme Court. So it's filing a petition for writ of certiorari, and there's like a less than one in a thousand chance of getting picked to be one of the choices, one of the cases on the docket. It needs a legislative fix. It's not something that can, be, uh, given the letter of what's in the farm bill, it a legislative fix is absolutely required. It's not going to be able to come from, from the courts. I agree with that part. It's interesting because it's a trademark uh, suit, not a drug uh, situation. Yes, and, and the Ninth Circuit said that um, now you can have federally enforceable trademarks for Delta 8 and by extension Delta 10. It's a crazy world that we live in these days but let's keep smoking the news all right coming up next it's an industry full of snakes fakes and flakes in the great red state of texas with trolls posting up daily smoking delta eight under the bridge this fellow dope dad is hitting the high road that's right he's the host and co-creator of the new show with sensi magazine and fellow seeker of the truth coming up next it's stone slade hey now thank you jason beck my story today comes from Joe Mueller at the Center Square. People are showing out in the show-me state of Missouri, and if Legal Missouri 22 gets their way, then the potential Missouri adult use market could not only put a big dent in their illicit market, but also compete for customers in neighboring high-taxed, high-priced Illinois. And I think they may be onto something. John Payne, the campaign manager for LM22 said, we wanted to make sure the tax rate was set in a way that minimizes the illicit market. We looked at the tax rate from other states and tried to be lower because that's the trend line. There are a lot of states that set their tax rates too high and that's still feeding the illicit market. 
Holy shit, I think I smell some common sense. On May 8th, Payne's organization submitted 385,000 signatures to the Secretary of State. That's twice the amount uh, the, twice the amount re required to get a constitutional amendment on the ballot. But on May 13th, the uh, Missouri legislature ended its session without making progress towards legalizing adult use. During those hearings, legislators acknowledged their preference to craft legislation instead of facing a voter-approved constitutional amendment. Uh, House Bill 2704, which was sponsored by Representative Ron Hicks, couldn't gather the votes needed to pass and would have set the adult use cannabis tax state tax rate at 4.25%. Now, the LM22 initiative sets a tax rate at 6% and a local tax rate of no more than 3%. Payne said, we looked at the tax rates on alcohol and tobacco because those products are, there's some level of illicit activity in those products, but 90% of the transactions stay illegal and are regulated and taxed. That's the range we want to be in. Now, Representative Hicks, who is uh, limit, term limited, made the statement at the end of legislature opposing LM22 and accused Missouri's Medical Cannabis Trade Association of obstructing his bill. He went on to accuse them of attempting to monopolize the recreational cannabis market for, as he says, those who managed to get licensed through the corrupt process created for the medical marijuana market by a similar ballot initiative in 2018. More than half of the 22 bills filed in legislature this year regarded can, uh, regarding cannabis dealt with medical cannabis issues. Payne went on to chastise Representative Hicks by saying his legislation got stalled because there wasn't enough support amongst his caucus. That's the simple truth. There's no boogeyman that hypnotizes the members of his caucus not to vote for something. I'm sorry, this is kind of silly. There's no monopoly. I don't know much about Res Representative Hicks, but LM22 looks like a legitimate fighter for legalization and all that comes with it. I love this plan for the state to, to not bite the hand that feeds them by, by overtaxing. Um, I read through Repres Representative Hicks' bill, and overall it did seem to be a, a pretty decent bill, laying out a plan for just about everything from a schedule to get people out of jail, hospitality and delivery, uh, to potential future interstate trade for if, when federal legalization happens. It seems to me the Missouri legislators just aren't quite ready to legalize adult use without voter approved constitutional amendment to help push it along. I'm still enslaved reporting for the State of Cannabis News Hour, but I'd love to take a moment to get some local insight from my friend, Missouri Bushwhacker, AKA the Boost Man with boots on the ground in the Show Me State. Give us a lowdown uh, on the local lowdown out there, Brandon. Yeah, Stone, again, thanks everybody for having me. Great to see you all. Been kind of on a hiatus from Clubhouse. I appreciate the time. So, yeah, the biggest thing that the, we're finding here is, you know, with any bill, if you attach something that you know is not going to get approved, that's the furthest or easiest way to get it shut it down. And he put a, a no license uh, cap whatsoever for getting the business license. And that was the biggest thing that the, you know, House Speaker, uh, Speaker of the House said, you know, here in Missouri that. That was the reason that they shut the bill down is because there was no cap on business licenses whatsoever. And I mean, that's that's kind of needed to be addressed. That was something that we all knew about going into. And we were all fighting for Representative Hicks to change. I have hung out with him at a couple of events. He comes out in his suit, shakes hands, smells your flower. I'll tell you a funny story. I know Jason would appreciate one of our uh, local vendors makes the little earrings and other jewelry that looks like cannabis. Well, Representative Hicks went over and took a big whiff when he was supposed to just look at it and said it smells great. So that's the kind of representative we got here in Missouri fighting for the bill. I'm Brandon Jones. And so oh my God. I'm out. Was, was it those dipped in gold cannabis buds? Exactly. It's those ones that, yeah, you, you see the people putting on their necklaces and earrings. And yeah, he took a big old whiff. I was like, oh my God, it smells great. <laughs> I was like, come on, man. Hey, you know, politic politicians are really good actors.
And so, you know, I, yeah. I, I applaud him for that. Like I'm, I'm with that. What? Like he didn't, he, yeah, he didn't say, he didn't say, oh, this smells like shit. So good for it's, him for playing it, it off. It was gold. He was smelling gold. He was not smelling gold. He was smelling paint. And at these yeah. events here in Missouri, you can usually have your own cannabis. So he was smelling some very nice homegrown cannabis from the state here and then went to that and reacted the exact same as some of the best flower grown. So, so chances are he doesn't know how to identify boof when he sees or smells it. That is right, my official dope dad. He's he's not a boof spurt. Ooh, you like that one, huh, Rico? I do, I do. Maybe he's a boof whacker. <laughs> That's that has a whacker of a different definition. Stone. <laughs> if I had boof, I wouldn't whack it. You wouldn't have boof, though, Rico. Uh, yeah, awesome. Thank you so much for that story, Stone. Before we go, here's a couple things you need to know. Um, Sasha Baron Cohen dropped his lawsuit about the billboards. What? I want to know more. They didn't say anything about this, a settlement or anything. Uh, the VA rejects Veterans Hemp Business cert Certification, saying it could create, quote, appearance of endorsing marijuana, and Canopy Growth acquires Jetty Extracts. A few stories we didn't have time to get to today. That was a great show. We've reached the top of the hour. If you missed any of it, make sure to catch the replay or find us a few hours after the show, anywhere you get your podcast. And if you like the content, please subscribe and leave a review. A big thank you to all of the correspondents that comb through all the headlines each day to bring us just what we need to know. Thank you to Rico and Jason for co-producing the show and our pinup girl, Liz Rogan. Thank you, audience, for being our eyes and ears when there's news in your city, county, state, or country. Thank you for joining us. Happy Friday. We'll see you on Monday. Don't miss it. We've got some Russian spice for you. Thank you, everybody. You've been tuned in to the State of Cannabis News Hour, where we collectively move policy forward in an inclusive and sustainable way. Start your morning on a high note and join us every weekday, 9 a.m. Pacific time for the State of Cannabis News Hour, your daily dose. Bye. Great show, everybody. Thank you. Have a great weekend. Ta-ta. <laughs> hey.